Okay, hello everybody. So this is a response to Patrick's questions about masculine and feminine. And there's a few things I want to say before I start. Number one, um, I apologize for the delay. As we go through this, you'll see probably a little why it's delayed. Um, first thing I want to say is a deep thank you to Patrick for the questions. I think questions are so awesome and help teachers be better teachers um, and sharers of information. And I think it helps at this point um, frame pieces. I think it helps give context. I um, have been studying and teaching in, in variations of spirituality now for almost 20 years, right? And there's layers of things that I understand that I use as common language that may not be everybody. And so if you don't do what Patrick did in this case, or he said, I don't know what this means and I'm hearing different things and can you go deeper with this? Um, then it's not of service to our community or your own growth and learning because you're not able to work through what is real and true for you in your life, okay? So the discernment and the integration piece with the questions is really important. Um, so that's one thing is that I really appreciate the questions. Um, the second piece is I can feel the energy of people's writing responses. I can feel energy of people. And so um, sometimes when I can feel the energy coming through of a question, um, it activates uh, something, like it may activate something where I need a little bit of time. And that's part of my divine feminine integration is actually pausing to breathe and not just quick response, quick response, quick response. So that is how um, most people's nervous system in this very distracted, very quick paced world is working very quick. And with email and text and all that back and forth. And there's a lot of areas of my life where I am very fast and very quick. And in this area, I was noticing an activation and an energy passing. And I really wanted to sit with it. And I really wanted to have more inquiry and more time, which is why I kept sort of responding with it's in time and it's coming. And I could feel that I wanted that sort of space for myself to digest. Also, it's uh, been an incredibly full and vibrant time in my life and uh, responding to emails on a social network is not my number one priority and in order for me to help um, live with integrity and say what I mean and mean what I say and do what I say and practice what I preach um, I will not put like I won't respond to emails or text or online social media over my own uh, health and well-being or the mental health and well-being of our family. And so um, we have been moving through a lot and so um, taking space. So that is what's been going on behind the scenes with this. Um, the, so deep respect, energy, pausing, working with my own masculine and feminine in order to, to Honor the teachings and not go through it in a really fast and shallow way. So having said all of that, 
I want to start by saying that I am not an expert. I don't consider myself a scholar of um, this particular history and background. Um, I, at this point, see the conversation around masculine and feminine energy as a universal teaching and a universal truth, um, even though truth can is different based on where you're getting the information. And what I mean by that is, because I can't pinpoint one teacher, one lineage, one book, one history that first identified this, it's just not the case in this realm um, in, with these concepts, that that typically means that there is a universal spirit. It goes across wisdom traditions. There's lots of different language for the masculine and the feminine. And so, um, in terms of, again, energy, not physical body and representation or sex and gender, but in terms of just the energy of masculine and feminine. So um, that points, all signs point to more of a universal teaching because it's such a part of so many backgrounds, histories, teachings, and wisdom traditions, okay? So I'm not an expert. Um, as my yo one of my yoga teachers, Eric Schiffman, always said, I am speaking from my current level of ignorance. Um, and so these are inquiry questions for you. They're not the end-all be-all. It's not, here's how it is, and Pleasant said it's this way. No, like I want you guys to watch this workshop, to think for yourself, grab your journal, um, pull out that the masculine and feminine chart, um, this has evolved. Also, that's the other thing I wanted to say about ours. Those of you who've been in the community a long time, the first time I ever shared this publicly was, I think, in the first Thrive Live, which was um, in person five years ago. Um, and it wasn't my original copy. Um, I don't even remember where I saw it or got it. So many of these things have no um, name on it. And I actually had an artist come and just make me a blank one. And then we pulled uh, some of the language that had been showing up in a bunch of the models. So if you Google masculine and feminine uh, images, you'll see tons of versions of this. This is not mine. Um, all I did was actually take a few different ones that looked very similar and pulled some of the language that we were using at the time. But um, I actually teach this. I have an updated version that's in a workbook that I use with my private clients. And so I don't typically even teach this publicly um, because there's so many nuances. I usually sit down with someone and then we have a conversation. Well, what do you notice and what do you think and where are you falling right now and what's happening for you and, and kind of all of these pieces. So it's a work in progress. It's a, it's a draft. All of the stuff that I feel like I share is a draft not a final copy, um, just because how we're learning and growing and consciousness is always expanding. And, you know, as more fluid genders and identities and we bring awareness to this, it's just like the other archetypes. The more we bring awareness, the more the container and the tightness um, has a grip on us, the more it kind of actually relaxes. So that's kind of cool. Um, and when I say relaxes, I mean, it it's, doesn't keep us in a box, right? We're able to be more fluid. I actually think, um, just in my own life and my own experience, this teaching, these teachings, understanding that there's this polarity model, there's this yin and yang 
uh, dark and light, masculine and feminine, that everything has this light and shadow, this light and dark. Um, and then being able to tangibly put it into my schedule. So I've had a few energy healers over the past, especially two years, one lady last year in 20, uh, sorry, yeah, 2018. And then one in 2019, these two powerful healers that I went to, um, both say actually the same thing that they, um, at the end, after the healing session, they usually do like a little bit of a, here's what we notice. Here's what's going on. Here's what your strengths are. Here's where, here's what you're holding on to. And both of them said, wow, you have a very strong, uh, masculine energy and feminine energy. And they really are working together within the chakra system. Um, and, and there's a tremendous amount of balance and that, uh, was intentional. Like I, I do that on purpose. I, that's what the intuitive Lola planning is. That's what seasonality is, is that there's this expansion and contraction that I teach in the movement classes. So um, it's not on accident. It was a lot of interest and, and I don't want to say effort, like pushing, but a lot of awareness. Where am I really like just so rigid, whether it's in planning or scheduling or productivity or to-do list or goal setting? these very masculine ways in which I show up or control or um, just different, different models that were really present for me um, versus relaxing and time in nature and slowing down and really being with people um, that, and, and so bringing them together and I do it intentionally every day. So I will wake up and think about the day ahead and think about the times when I want to have some productivity, some doing, some task, task. Um, and that's why I love having two or three things to check off a day. And then also having creative time, right? Time to uh, lay on the floor and just breathe, especially in that Vata time of day, 2 to 6 a.m. or 2 to 6 p.m. Um, I feel so deeply connected to source and spirit. Um, the to me and through me quote that I actually have on my arm, it really represents that time of day for me is like, I just give up and I just let go of my head and my ego as much as I can, which is like all humans, part of being human, this ego, this dance of ego and soul. And I think about like, what are the times today where I'm going to be interacting with ego and soul and how are they working together? How are they helping each other? How is my masculine, like what things need to get done today for this beat, this pulsation of our home and where are the things I can let go of and just be and really enjoy. So it's on purpose that there is a daily integration which feeds and flows the weekly, the monthly, the seasonally, and the annual. And so when those healers said to me, wow, like there's a really strong intersection of masculine and feminine energy, I can feel that um, pulsating, I said, yes. You know, I could feel, I said, thank you, I feel it too. And um, it's interesting because I think part of, also, what I'm able to see now is when people are, and it, again, if you've been listening to, to anything Lola or Little Ohm for years, too tight or too loose, um, typically masculine energy is too tight and typically feminine energy is too loose. Again, these are just ways of understanding the spectrum, okay? It's a spectrum. Um, is you, I can feel uh, really quickly uh, intuitively when someone is in one of those ranges 
and the layering of the doshic type. See, this is why Ayurveda ended up being such a key for me to unlock potentiality in humans because I was already picking up on the energy vibes, uh, whether it was too masculine or too feminine, and it was it was causing dis-ease of mind for the person. And when I say mind, I mean body and soul also. But I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't always have a remedy. I didn't always, I wasn't able to really scaffold and work with people saying, okay, I notice that you're really too loose. You're just, there's no goal, you know, there's no vision, there's no goals. You don't know what you want. You're just free flowing through life and it's not feeling good, right? So for some constitutions that feels good, for some people it doesn't feel good. For most people it doesn't feel good to have some kind of container, okay? So the gift of Ayurveda has been they speak in energetics with the doshas, with the elements. And so if you see someone um, having too loose, which typically can, it can either be a, a vata imbalance or a kapha imbalance. It really depends. It definitely won't be a pitta imbalance. Pitta imbalances look very different. Um, but it depends on the body type and some other key, key pieces. Um, but I then actually have remedies in real life based in this wisdom tradition that can really help regulate the system and the human. Okay. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Cause again, there's so many things in here that I'd love to continue to share with you, but let's get back to the point, which is this and all the questions that came up. Okay. So my first experience that I can remember, so part of this process of Patrick's questions, which I did print out and I want to make sure to cover too, um, is that um, I had to go back and try to remember when did I first start learning about these concepts and in which house of study and in which language. And that was in yoga because I studied and went through the teacher training of Hatha yoga and Hatha means Ha means sun and Tha means moon. So it was Hatha is sun and moon. And so yoga is the practice of the sun and moon. So hold on, I have a picture. Oh, let me do screen share. Hold on one second. I've got pictures to accompany a lot going on here for you guys. Um, okay, we shared that one. So I'm going to close that out. That was the masculine feminine. Okay. So in the yoga tradition that I studied, let's do share. I'll do this real quick and then I'll change it back. Okay, hopefully you can see that. Do you see this? Where the sacred union of the sun and the moon shifts from duality to one. Okay, so see this masculine and feminine representation and they're coming together and there's this expansive light. So I share a story um, also, uh, let me see if I can find the video to the energy story, the masculine and feminine. There's a, like a story about what happens when masculine and feminine come together and they have a baby called Joy, right? So there's this whole idea, um, hold on, let me just take a note and see if I can find that because I recorded that a few years ago. Um, there's this whole idea that it is this divine sacred union that creates this unity and this deep connection to source, truth, God, consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It could be joy. It could be real life joy, tangible joy. So my first introduction was in Hatha yoga or Hatha yoga. 
and solar and lunar. So one of the things we would do would be practice a certain way um, in sun salutes and sun times and in more vibrant times. And then we'd have our moon cycles, right? New moon and full moon, these two shifting energies, we would have a different type of practice. And this was the first time. So I did that training in 2006. Um, and so I had been studying yoga for about five years before I did the teacher training. And like maybe three or four years, something like that. So it took me a little bit of time to start to understand how the postures were, were representing the sun and the moon and how the physical body was associated. And because my entryway was the body, um, it wasn't a quick overnight sort of turn or fix. I just started to understand how these energies were working together. Okay. Um, there is, uh, polarity therapy, pol polarity healing, which is, an, again, a whole other realm of study of these sort of opposite energies. I do want to bring that up. Um, Amadea Morningstar is a woman who teaches polarity therapy, physical, mental, emotional, and integrates it with Ayurveda because, again, they're very complementary. Um, and many of these things go together. Okay. So, um, okay. So on to the next piece. Um, I'm going to answer some of these questions and then show you these pictures and again, try to keep this not so long because I could teach on this for probably a whole weekend, <laughs> like days. Okay. So, uh, Patrick asked, what rubric did you use in mapping personal qualities to the categories? They weren't my language. Like I said earlier, I had taken, I'd seen a bunch of different models and I start to just pull over the pieces that I was seeing with students and clients and in uh, in little own world. So I did holistic health coaching training at integrative nutrition when I was pregnant with Milo. He's eight and a half. So that was nine and a half years ago. I started in, uh, really bringing together my obsession with yoga through the life stages and what I was seeing in people and holistic health. And that also gave me a framework from which to do, to, to start to look at some of the patterns and ask some of the questions. Um, and so I think that the diagram really evolved. There, there wasn't a rubric. It was more of like, what were the patterns I was seeing in real life with all my students, but then also um, sort of in these images and models that were coming up in, in a bunch of my worlds, to be honest. Um, Okay, so Patrick says, he goes on to ask a little bit about mythology. What do you think of the idea of consulting mythology and constructing categories of feminine masculine, the gods and goddesses from Greek and Hindu? Absolutely, it's, it's a big part of the history of it. Um, most of my, the people that I work with um, are in usually such a state of fight or flight or have so much on their plate, maybe they're managing their family and their job and their caregiving and elderly parent that um, I typically don't teach from archetypes and mythology um, for, for like daily life. Um, just because I find that you need some space and some uh, like a deep, uh, um, 
space is what's coming to mind in order to integrate some of that. If that works for you, awesome. The end of Lola One, our online course that we did last year, we did a bunch of um, god goddesses and invoking them. And by that point, we had done so much work together that it was appropriate to bring in some of these archetypes. I think if it works for you, awesome. If that's how you see the world, awesome. I think that Carl Jung, you know, bringing so much archetypes and he studied so much of Hindu, Buddhist, Hinduism, Buddhism. He studied Ayurveda. Um, I can't find a direct link. I just always hear people say that. So I've been searching for it. If you see it, let me know, because I, I can't find anything. But because he was spending time in India, he was exposed to Ayurveda. Maybe that's what they're talking about. But um, so I think it's great if it works for you. There's not going to be one way, okay? Um, I am tangible, I'm practical, and I'm in this realm, in this earth. And so for me, I want teachings and tools that make sense, that I can integrate, and that I can relax um, into my real life, the relationships right here, and, and really um, work with and massage and, and love up people and life and be present. And so if that means studying um, the gods and goddesses, do it. If that doesn't, it's okay too. There's other ways of understanding these wonderful teachings. Okay, so all is welcome here. That's what I think of it. Um, okay, so then you go into, uh, Patrick goes into some more questions around cognitive dissonance. Your mapping of being to feminine and doing to masculine. This seems to be the opposite of the Shiva Tantric. Okay, so it's inconsistent with my personal experience. The experience of being seems somewhat transpersonal to me and thus outside the categories of feminine and masculine. Um, experience of doing seems very personal. I associate the single mind focus with the masculine and the multitask of doing with the feminine. Um, again, there's no right or wrong here and differences in our impressions are, in our impressions are interesting. Absolutely. I think what is your lens? Where is it coming from? The most important thing of anything that I share with you guys is that you have discernment and your own questioning. You should always question teachers and teachings and always see, well, this is what, how I see it and this is how I see it. Um, if you listen to Sally, you know, I've listened to her, I've studied with her um, in person at a yoga journal conference many years ago, um, read multiple of her books. It's layered in terms of the 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 being and doing and i think it depends on again how you define it and then how you see it um and then adding in the layer of tantra it's just it's it's nuanced it's complex and i think that if you if if there's a way that you're defining it that makes sense to you that is welcome here that's that's the point of this typically here, when we're saying doing, I am talking about that those tasks that I was telling you about that I can get through is part of the masculine energy. It's not, and, and we all have it. We all have divine feminine energy, divine masculine energy, unhealthy feminine energy, and unhealthy masculine energy. There is a spectrum. And so we want to have some ways of doing and of being that are complementing each other in our life, okay? Lots of women, I see two typical patterns in modern women. One is 
doing, 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 so masculine, so much control, uh, so many to-do lists, and they're completely addicted to the adrenaline and the hormonal boost they're getting when they, uh, the sort of cocktail of hormones uh, that they're getting when they get those hits, and it's keeping them in a flight state. The other side of that is I see women who um, have no masculine energy. They're completely that to-do list. They just, they're in freeze. They do nothing. They don't, they just spin it in their head or it becomes so overwhelming that they're paralyzed. And then they may have like get passports renewed, sort of like on a to-do list for like a year. There's not this rhythm of do a little, rest a little, do a little, rest a little. Okay. So I just want to say like, you're, how you're thinking about it. Great. It's, it's welcome here. I, I love to hear the different interpretations and the different ways in which we see the world because the, the truth is these are all theories that everybody is presenting and then you have to look for sort of your own evidence and experience, especially as things keep changing um, in our world, which it should. Um, okay. So one of the other things that you said early on was it doesn't seem to be a lot of consistencies and definitions. Yeah. I think that, um, uh, that's where the discernment comes in and the, what do you think? So, um, uh, I think it's going to depend on who the teacher speaker is. And again, I'm giving you some context, everybody around who I'm typically talking about. Okay, so then the healthy feminine and healthy masculine. Okay, so we got through that. So now let's go to some pictures on here because I'm sure you're tired of hearing me talk. Okay, so we have, let me go up to the top of this. Okay, so here's a version of the catechist where you can see, I love this one because you can see the human and you see all the energy fields coming out of the fingers and the feet, which are very healing centers in the physical body. And then here is our snakes, which happen, you know, you see this in so many things, Kundalini yoga, Tantra, see this as a form in medicine, right? That integration piece, uh, masculine and feminine and health. Okay, and we're gonna come down here. And then here is a little bit more detail of specifics. Again, just another take on, if you notice here, uh, these align with, the chakras. Here's the chakra version here, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. Um, and here is some qualities of the chakras and some qualities of how they work together involving a little bit of the polarity and the representation of the catechist. So these are just different ways um, in which we see, we can kind of talk about what's happening. Um, and I like different images, so it helps my brain kind of think about different things, right? Okay, so here's another one. Oops. Okay, so here is an ego and soul one. So this often gets brought up in terms of masculine and feminine. And I just want to say that there's healthy masculine and ego, healthy feminine and ego, healthy masculine soul, healthy feminine and soul. And like, I'm starting to see that play out more and more, um, especially because if you look at this version one is clearly the unhealthy version and not like is kind of bad, quote unquote, right? If you look at resentment, stuck, madness, jealousy, pride, coldness, anger, blame, me. So I want to be clear that sometimes in social and with these memes and things like this, like 
it's, it gives the ego a bad name, but these are also part of being human. These are also part of um, things that come up when we're in an unhealthy masculine. A lot of these come up with the competition, which then leads to intolerance or war or the hostility. So there's just, again, think about the spectrums of it and think about where you fall on it, okay? And then, of course, on the soul part, those are typically... Um, if you look here, tolerance, free, peace, being, happiness, gratefulness, altruism, forgiveness, more of the soft qualities um, that have not been as highly regarded. And again, the, you can have the so, you can have unhealthy versions of the soul, right? You can, it can lead you totally to freeze. It can lead you totally to having no boundaries, no container, like we talked about before. So. Um, I'm not pointing this out to say it's right or wrong. I'm just bringing you awareness to how we're sort of seeing some of these things in society and how that feels to you. Okay, so this next piece of duality and unity, I don't think you can probably read it. I'm trying to make it a little bit bigger, um, is from the Art and Science of Vedic Counseling. And so I just wanna show you again here some of the language. All of life consists of various dualistic, complementary, and contrasting forces. These include light and darkness, attraction and repulsion, fire and water, male and female. Learning how to work with and transcend the forces of duality is the key to true harmony in life. This means learning how to balance dual dualities, resolve conflicts, and understand different opposing points of view. Shiva and Shakti. So remember I told you in the beginning I learned about these concepts from Hatha or sun and moon. And then the next thing that I heard all the time in yoga and meditation and Buddhism and Ayurveda is Shiva and Shakti. Perhaps the prime duality of Vedic thought as consciousness and its power. So Shiva is the male and Shakti is the female. Embody the ultimate transformative polarity of the cosmic duality. They encompass action and inaction, expansion and contraction, stillness and dynamic movement, male and female. Each is rooted in the other, supports and turns into the other. We must balance these dualities within ourselves in the body, senses, pranas, and mind. Duality is the basis of all the energies of life, which arise through the union of opposites. Yet non-duality or pure unity is the foundation through which all dualities can function and become integrated. Non-duality is the basis of duality and all dualities can be resolved into non-duality without losing their essence. Okay, that is a lot of the same language probably talking you in circles. Basically, all it's saying is that it's a contrast. Like you can't begin to understand unity until you understand Shiva Shakti. They, they don't exist without each other. So Shiva and Shakti and unity, non-duality, exist in together because of each other. And the more that we understand the concepts of what that looks like in our life and how it's helping us or hurting us, where our divine elements are and where our unhealthy elements are, that is how we start to find our dharma, our true nature, our purpose and meaning for being here. Um, and that's what that goes on to say. So um, this is, hold on, let me see if I can get out of here. Sharing is paused. Oh, I hope you resume share. Hope you saw that. Um, okay, so uh, next, the conflicting agendas of ego and soul. So this is from Sacred Success, which is from, I don't know why it won't let me share with you guys. Let me see. Do, do, do. Hold on one second. 
Zoom, uh, back to meeting, more. Uh, for some reason it says new share, let's do new share here. Okay, well, hopefully you're able to see this. Oh yeah, pause share. And so if you weren't able to see the last one, let me see if I can bring up the chapter. Oops, those are the questions. Sorry, I was trying to get everything prepped ahead of time, but since there's a lot of content. Okay, well, I will try to um, provide the duality reading from the Vedic for you. Let me just get rid of that and see if I can find it. Nope, okay. We're gonna move on. So the conflicting, at least I read it to you. So hopefully if you didn't see it, that's good. Okay, the conflicting agendas of ego and soul, voice of fear, voice of love. So this is another interpretation. This is from Barbara Stanny. She has been teaching about spirituality and money forever. And this was, again, another model, um, another way. I want also to say that when you're writing a chart like this, it's easier to put things in boxes to give people the idea and the concept rather than also saying, hey, it depends. There's nuances. What's your dosha? What's your family history? Um, what's happening with your nervous system? Is it in fight or flight? Is it in freeze? So, you know, there's, this is helpful to give you the basics of understanding what is fear-based living and what is happening with the ego and fear, and what is soul-based living, and what's happening with love in the soul. And so I'm not saying this is it, this is the end all, this is how it should be. I'm saying, what do you think of this? Where are the nuances? Where are the complexities? Where do you notice um, that things are alive in your life? Where do you, where do you notice this doesn't resonate? Um, and then asking other people. I mean, that's the whole point, you guys, is it really gives us some information from which to have these deeper conversations, right? Like, are you in focusing on the flaws, focusing on the inconsistencies, right? So one of the things I noticed, Patrick, when you wrote that inconsistencies is that may be exactly what you're looking for. Where do you see consistency? So whenever my brain, because it's wired for negativity, goes right to the less than or the scarcity or what's wrong, I have practiced and tried to retrain the brain to also look for what's going right. And that's been super helpful when I'm in a really dark or hard place. Um, and all I see are things that are bad is also say, okay, so these are the things that I'm really struggling with. Got it. Integrate, breathe. Now, where are some areas that are thriving? Where are some things that things are going right so that we can hold both together, right? So the focusing on your flaws for that voice of fear, ego, and the reminds you and the reminding you of your gifts. So this is another um, super powerful, again, just, you know, something to journal about when you look at that ego speaks first and loudest is quiet, but persistent requires stillness, which is super interesting, right? Because some of the definitions of masculine are that, that, um, stillness and especially so many meditation forms, um, in all the lineages I can think of for the most part, um, have that really strong masculine, this is how you do it, this is the way, um, this piece is requires stillness. And in this part, the soul piece does require stillness to hear the connections and kind of the beyond. So how do they work together? How do they show up? And where do you see that? Again, my point and goal 
with all of this is my real life. And so I want to make connections between what I'm seeing in life and how it's showing up and how it's helping or how it's hurting. Um, a few other things I just want to point out before I wrap up are, um, there is uh, a woman named Jennifer Amber Armburst, and she runs the Feminine Business Model, um, the Feminist Business School. And part of what she did was talk about the feminist economy with cyclical growth, ease, collaboration, abundance, consciousness, mindfulness, gratitude, integrity, honesty, care, connecting with nature, and then the masculine eco economy. Um, so uh, non-accountability, speed and efficiency, competition, individualism, linear growth, scarcity, consciousness, ego, profit, uh, materialism, ownership, and uh, myth of the meritocracy. So consumption. So again, these are different models that you're going to start to see everywhere. Where are the areas you agree? Where are the areas you don't agree? Okay. Um, we talked about the conflicting agendas of the ego and the soul, healthy and unhealthy expressions of feminine and masculine. So this is where we talk about what are the feminine aspects that are divine and that are working in terms of seasons and cycles and flow, um, and what are the unhealthy versions of divine feminine, chaotic, erratic, helpless, bypassing, overdramatic, manipulative. Um, for the masculine, divine and healthy, linear, structured, forward-moving, organized, logical, rational, consistent. And then the unhealthy versions, dominant, controlling, egocentric, overworking. This is from Elizabeth D'Alto, um, uh, who's a teacher. This is her book, Wild Soul Movement. Untame the Wild Soul, I think is the name of the book. Um, she's a friend, we have the same publisher, and this was in her book, The, Divide, the Healthy and Unhealthy Expressions of Feminine and Masculine Energy. Um, just again, to kind of give you some pers perspective of the shifts. Um, and many of you guys uh, have talked and, and know about uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, the hero's journey and talked about Carl Jung's, Carl Jung's work, um, which is all more wonderful modern archetypes and uh, finding ways for the patterns. The, the piece I want to bring to attention is also there's a few models of the heroine's journey. There's this one. Um, there's this smaller one. The text is a little bit different. Uh, there's another one I have right here, uh, which I, we've actually shared, I think, and the Victoria Schmidt one, the heroine's journey, heroine's journey. Um, my point is not that you learn all of this and study it and master it. My point is that you understand that there's a few different models out there and really, um, again, reading and, and thinking about what makes sense for you um, in term, not just what makes sense for you, that you're willing to accept, but how can you, how can you start to be discerning with your own life? How can you start to see what's really working and not in your own life? And how can you start to identify with some of these areas? And if you're not identifying with it, that's okay. Maybe giving yourself some time. So there's some forms of the heroine's journey um, on a bunch of different websites. And Again, look at it and see what makes sense to you. So I'm going to do some of this work in one of the retreats I'm leading this year called Playing Big, but essentially there's 10 steps to the Murdoch model of the heroine's journey, women's quest for wholeness, and dividing into the stages. So 
Um, I, to sort of close this out, the point is, this is not meant to overwhelm you. Okay, so right now in your body, take a deep breath. Anything that feels tight or tense, breathe into it. And know that our learning together, our co-creating is part of the gift of life, our questioning and our being in this in a dynamic way. So this is a way that we can balance masculine and feminine is having this tangible cognitive teaching and then also huh, relaxing into it, breathing into it and seeing where it shows up, right? Looking for those pings and connections. So um, I'm excited to see how this lands for you, bring more questions. Um, I don't want to bombard you with more resources. So unless you ask for something specifically, I'm actually not gonna put all the links and the pictures and all that in there. Um, you guys can do that research on your own. There's plenty out there and really find what resonates for you. Um, and the big overall picture that I wanna close with is that you understand that there is a range of masculine and feminine energy that is um, alive in the world and that there are things in both realms that are helping and hurting you. And to start to pay attention to your habits and, and ways of being that, and for me, it's not so much, I love this teaching actually, I think this is a great way to close. It's not so much, let's focus on all the things we're doing wrong. It's much more, how can we bring divine, femi divine feminine, which is, I see it and define it as creativity, as flow, as flexibility, as connection to spirit, self, relationship. So that's, that's my version of divine feminine in real life. And how can I cultivate divine feminine every day with an integration of divine masculine, which means recording this video, going to the grocery store, doing some things that need to be done in the house today, um, moving through my to-do list in a gentle and kind way with candles and salt lamps and beautiful light. And how can I dance um, with divine masculine, that energy of doing with that divine feminine energy of being. So I can sit on the floor and be with the kids later, make dinner. How can I be in the world and be at home and sort of every day, like dance with that, those dualities um, in honor of unity with consciousness, of unity with others, with self, with source. Um, and so that's really the experiment is what does that look like for you and how does that come alive in your life? Okay, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, may you live with ease.